Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. I'm your host, Bill Sickens. Welcome to this week's show. Jeremy and Gretchen, welcome. Hello. Hi there. So just to try something new this week, we've decided that uh, Earth was kind of confining where we were going to go look for information, so we decided to go off-world. Mm. Okay, maybe maybe not really, but we did get to go to the UFO Festival in McMinnville, so we're going to be talking <laughs> about that coming up here, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Spoiler alert, we really enjoyed it, but there are a lot of cool things to look at. Other thing that happened this week in the technology world is Google I.O. Google I.O. is the big trade show that Google holds every year to announce their new features coming to Android and other technologies kind of across the board, and a lot of different things that came out of that. We're going to cover a few of them. But uh, a lot of stuff that's coming down and a lot of things that look like it will be very interesting to have. So looking good on both of those fronts, we also are going to do an extended Q&A section this week. Got a lot of questions coming in. One user friendly on Facebook and Twitter, of course, is the place to send your questions and your comments for that. And on that vein, but not the questions, the news, let's do the news. All right. And as long as the cat will let me. Plants will grow in lunar regolith, but they don't like it. So plants yeah. grow in an off-world soil, because that's what that word means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely is a interesting idea. Now, from my understanding of this, they actually did grow. They did. Uh, they did. They just look very pathetic. Yeah. Um, yeah they probably <laughs> wouldn't get the right nutrients. You know, I mean, there's a reason why it grows on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true. That and a few other things too. But it was interesting at the end of the day to see that it is possible from a proof of concept scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it something that we sh- could do to any kind of an effect? Eh, very unlikely. Hmm. Well, you don't even know if you could eat that stuff. True, true. Hmm. California law enforcement now needs approval for military-grade surveillance equipment. Yeah, this has been kind of a controversial issue for a while now that a lot of our local civilian law enforcement is getting equipment from the military when they retire it. Mm -hmm. And while it is good to have some things in place when you need it, you really don't want your civilian law enforcement to look like a branch of the military. No. (laughs) Unless uh, you're in Japan. Yeah, well, there there are some times where that's needed. (laughs) But the problem is if you let that run amok, you end up in situations that you don't really want and end up with situations like what's going on in Europe right now. So the idea here is that in order for California law enforcement to get the at least the surveillance components of this equipment that's military grade, they now need to have approval. And the other line of this is we'll be watching. So this has to do with stuff like military grade facial recognition systems, surveillance systems, audio monitoring, and all of the rest of that. That, hmm. um, you know, could just possibly be a little bit of an invasion of privacy. Yeah. <laughs> Microsoft tests suggested actions in Windows 11. Insiders, can we turn it off? Because I just had some Microsoft stuff try and push Windows 11 on me again. And it wasn't like it was aggressive. Now, believe it or not, that's not this. Oh, uh, that's, okay. the, that's them trying to market <laughs> Windows 11 to you obsolete person that's still running Windows 10. And I recommend yeah. staying on Windows 10 for a while if you can. But... What this is, and it's a kind of a bad thing when you launch a new feature, and the first question is, how do we disable it? 
But yeah. that's what happened here. Suggested actions in Microsoft or Windows 11 is this idea that as you're using Windows and doing things, the operating system suggests other things that you can do based on what you're doing. Oh, no. Do I need to adjust my mom's computer? Because she's on Windows 11. Yeah, you oh. probably will. This is, a, this is a testing thing right now. It has not rolled out oh, good. To, okay, the, good. to the mainstream. So it's, it's an insider scenario. You, you can sign up for the insider program if you want to check these things out. But uh, that's where they test it out first. And some of the details of this that are coming out is this feels like it's kind of annoying, a little bit along the idea of Clippy, if you remember yeah. that from a number of years ago. So is the, it more aggressive Clippy? It's more aggressive Clippy because it's across <laughs> the board uh, <laughs> based on activities within Windows. And um, I can see I'll probably give it a try just to see what it is. But I think I'm going to join this group here very likely if it's what it sounds like. And the first suggested action is, how do I turn this thing off? <laughs> Study finds robot-assisted surgery can cut blood clot risk and speed recovery. So we've been talking about robots almost every week all year, and this is another yes. topic on that that's coming out. Robot-assisted surgery is not brand new, but it's something that's really starting to become a lot more in the mainstream now, as these devices have a lot of precision. We've talked about some of the benefits of this that you can have surgery available in places that you wouldn't be able to necessarily get a doctor, like a military area or someplace remote. And it brings that to the forefront. But the other side of it is, is robots tend to be very, very specific and accurate in what they can do. So where a regular doctor may need to make a larger incision or something of that nature, the robot can do it with the smallest possible incision possible and be perfect in the way that it is performing the procedure. Wow. And yes, this can greatly reduce blood clot risk and speed recovery, smaller incision, less going yeah. on, faster recovery times. So, you know, it uh, definitely seems like something that's going on. And robot-assisted surgery is just what it says. You still have a surgeon running the machine. Mm -hmm. So it is a combination of the human and the robotics, which I think that together will ultimately create the best possible outcome. The military UFO database now has info from about 400 reported incidents. Yeah, they're starting to declassify a lot of things. We're going to talk about this a little later in the show with the UFO festival. But along the lines here, they are looking at this stuff and taking it seriously. Officially, there's no confirmed alien interaction being reported yet, but they are starting to put a lot more information out there. And Gretchen, I'm understanding that the, there was a congressional hearing or something on this. Yeah, I just posted it to our Twitter feed. Um, strangely enough, it was the BBC that I picked it up from. But yeah. So, you know, it, it does go to show that this this is out there, if I may say that. But in all, ser <laughs> in all seriousness, we've had Project Blue Book, mm -hmm. which documented uh, these things for a while. It is considered a national security issue, if not a threat in some ways because there would be no way to defend against this. Now, I've said this in the past, I will say it in the future, that if we have an alien civilization capable of traveling here and they didn't want us around, we wouldn't be here talking about it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I have a feeling they're more curious and maybe hopefully trying to guide things so that we don't destroy ourselves in the next few years with our technology that maybe we haven't caught up quite to yet. Um, but at the end of the day, again, there's a lot of information online. And one of the nice things about having things like a military database, a government database, is you can kind of weed out the real from the conjecture. Oh, yeah. I see what you're know, saying. And be able to have a point where if it's on here, 
you know, maybe it makes sense to look at it and, and see what it is and take it a little bit seriously. Hmm. Ransomware gang threatens to overthrow Costa Rican government. Okay, I guess this is the next step in direction <laughs> of this. Um, so Costa Rica has declared a state of emergency. The Conti ransomware attack on their government, uh, Conti is the group that did it, demanding a $10 million payment, has gone on to kind of double down on this. They've boosted their threat, saying its aim is nothing less than to overthrow the government. We, quote, we have insiders in your government, the group said. We are also working on gaining access to your other systems. You have no other option to pay us. And with that, they have doubled their ransom demand to $20 million. So, I mean, oh. if you're going to ask for the money, you might as well go to this. The, I think they're trying to take advantage of the fact that the new president has only been in office for a week. He said, oh. we are at war, and this is not an exaggeration. Mm -hmm. And uh, adding that officials were dealing with a national terrorist group of collaborators inside the nation. Wouldn't something like that really hurt a small country like that to have to lose that much money? Oh, you mean to take? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. You look at the the domestic product or domestic product for the country, and you look at what they're actually losing on these type of things, and it's definitely a big deal. And it's something that we don't want to have go here because if they were successful somehow in doing this, you would start seeing this in other places. And to that end, the U.S. State Department has declared a ten million dollar bounty on Conti. And it's saying that it's uh, disrupting foreign trade, customs and taxing platforms there. And it absolutely is. Hmm. The Tesla effect. Snowmobiles, boats, and mowers go electric. You know, when I first heard about equipment like an electric lawnmower, uh, certainly an electric snowblower, a snowmobile, hmm. I was thinking, these things don't have any power. I you know, dealt with a lot of things where they were not as good as their gasoline counterparts. But I have to say that has changed. Hey, I, I agree with you because we have an electric uh, lawnmower and I absolutely love it. They they are not loud. Mm -mm. And if anybody's heard some of the background noise we have all recording, it's because they're doing the uh, landscaping outside of the studio and pick it up every so often. The blow, uh, air blowers seem to be the loudest. The mm -hmm. other thing we've talked about it with green energy and all that kind of stuff is the fact that there is a lot of pollution put out by these devices and they're not regulated. California is mandating the switch over to electric devices. In the beginning, I thought, hmm, now I'm wondering, you know, maybe that's okay. Got well, a great show for you. I got to cut I'm you off. Sorry. We're out of time. Got a great show for you this week. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0, and the answers are out there. Did I blow the line on that? No, it's the no, truth is out there. But the fine. truth is yeah. out there. Okay. I knew I was a little off. <laughs> it's okay. I knew what you meant. And it's, still, line, it, it, it's still the same. Yep, yep. The line's out there, too. But we got to go to the McMinnville UFO Festival, an in-person event that we have been trying to get to for three years. Yeah, and we yes. finally made it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was actually a lot of fun. Um, McMinnville, for anybody that doesn't know, is a small city just outside of Portland, Oregon, about, I don't know, 45 minutes from the metro area, probably. And it's a neat little town, even when they're not having the UFO festival. It's a place that there's little shops and very walkable Main Street, cool restaurants, that kind of thing. But they do they do this every year. I believe this was the 20th annual or something like that. It was on hiatus one year for COVID, and last September they put on what they called half a festival just because they got tired of waiting or they did some stuff. But what it is, is they have expert speakers come in and do a number of presentations, and then the event itself is held in the Main Street area. They shut down. They have a 
market area where you can buy a lot of very unique, different things, food, all of that kind of thing. They have entertainment. In fact, the opening night, we got to see this really cool ladies cover band that, in my opinion, was one of the best I've seen in a long time. Weren't they called My Siamese Twin or something? My like Siamese that? Twin, yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, they were great. Yeah, they did, were did really an, good. Amazing, amazing job. A, a variety of different kinds of music too, you know, and and they pulled it off well. So yeah, and a lot of the '80s tunes are hard to pull off well, and they they even were able to sing Duran Duran correctly. So I was impressed. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> no, all, all the way around it was a lot of fun, good energy, and one really cool part of it was the costumes. Now, I would say it was a small portion of the overall group that was in costume this year, but the people mm -hmm. that did dress up did quite cool. You two did. I did not. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I know you both look good. In fact, we'll have to get a picture of you guys out on our social media this we week. We already did that. Did you? Okay. So check yeah. it out there. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the, the Putting the costumes together was kind of fun. And Jeremy's space suit with the alien inside of it, I, I thought that was really cool. And <laughs> uh, and your Mandalor Mandalorian with that helmet with the clamps on the top. Uh, yeah, I was Mandalorian. I was yeah. a Mandalorian who looked like he joined uh, NASA. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was cool. So. No, those, those were pretty cool. I think my favorite other costume I saw was the two alien beekeepers. Um, that yeah. was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, and, and their go-to answer when they were doing the question and answer part of the costume contest, if they couldn't answer a question, was buzz, buzz, buzz. So there you are. I have to remember that for other things. But... Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, overall, what this goes back to is there was an alien, alleged alien spaceship sighting in McMinnville back early part of last century. And there's a whole story on this that uh, you can look up online if you really want to go into the details on it. But ever since then, there's been this idea of people have seen strange things in the area. And I know all around here, there's a lot of stories of a lot of different things like that. Yeah. And... The idea of UFOs is really not that far-fetched. The government has been looking into these. Project Blue Book, which was shut down a few years ago, was one of them. But even now, with some of the information that they're releasing, while there's no officially recognized sightings in it, it does get into a lot of detail on a lot of different things that are somewhat unexplained. Well, and you know, a lot of people don't talk about what they see. You know? Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that, like, the panels that they had, like, the outside of the festival, was pretty silly. All the costumes and all of the vendors, everything was very lighthearted. Um, we didn't get a chance to see the actual panels, but from what I looked at at the bios of the people who were presenting, they were going from a very um, serious point of view. It was, yeah. it, it, you know. Well, and that's the whole thing about it. Somebody that's had this kind of an experience definitely would want to be taken seriously. And that's why you say a lot of people don't talk about it because there's a lot mm -hmm. of ridicule out there. But Really, yeah. when you think about it, looking, we talk technology here, of course, all the time. And when you think about the progress that we've made is if you did have another civilization, which there's no reason to think that something like that couldn't exist, using tech, it is, it's very, very possible. I mean, in 20 years, 20 years ago, the idea of smartphones, we had mobile phones at that point, but the idea of, you know, if handheld carried computer would have been something very far-fetched. The iPhone came out in 2008 and well, changed this, that around. Our phones aren't just a phone now. I mean, there's a full on video camera in there. Yeah. I mean, uh, when I was a kid, oh, the big carry VHS thing was a big deal. Oh, it's so portable. It's so cool. You know, you just stick the cartridge in and you turn it on. Now you have this tiny little thing that fits in your pocket and you can do home movies. Well, if it if, also 
He plays games and music. Yeah, all you know, all kinds of things. He's connected connected to a worldwide library of information. But other technologies we have now too. You can. It's expensive, but you can be a tourist and go to space now too. And yes. the prices of that will come down in, in future years, but Blue Horizon and Elon Musk's uh, system and all of those different type of things are available for that and are the predecessors to it. People actually flying around in jetpacks would have been considered impossible 20 years ago. So we're seeing our technology progress very quickly in some ways. And the idea of being able to get to a point where it is possible to travel in space easily far distances, I don't think is that much of an impossibility. I know on the scientific side of it, Things like a warp drive from Star Trek and ionic propulsion, all that kind of thing, do exist at this point on paper. The mm -hmm. idea of it, there still would need to be proof of concept, see if we can make it work, all of that kind of thing. But again, we're dealing with a situation that at some point, maybe even during our lifetimes, we will see those type of technologies in existence. And well, we've made it to Mars, not yeah. us as, as humans, but our little devices that go off and explore and photograph i mean that's a big deal well, we, well speaking <laughs> of those things voyagers made it out of our solar system and is still working you know yeah, so that's, that's very impressive yeah. so, i'm surprised it didn't get hit by some thing floating through the air or flying through space you know going whack you know? Yeah, well space space is big you know and this is also mm -hmm. part of the reason on contacting alien civilizations you got to figure that if you send out a broadcast you're sending it in a pointed direction it doesn't just like emanate from the earth in a circle so unless you're online with where this is going to be picked up, it probably will never be seen. And the same thing if they were to try to transmit back. So there are some limitations out there that because of the vastness of space makes it a lot more difficult to run into or find things unless you're looking for each other. And there's some caution being put out there too. The idea of sending stuff out with the coordinates of our planet and stuff. What if you had someone find it that was not the good guys, you know? Yeah. So, so that's a concern that's out there. But anyway, to circle back to the event, what was your favorite part? I don't know. The band was really great. I really enjoyed that. And I liked the costumes. And I liked the food at McMinimins. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah, the food yeah. was good. Yeah, that was a highlight, too. I uh, I enjoyed that. No, it, it was a lot of fun. I think we'll definitely go back and do this one again next year. Absolutely. One of the, one of the other things that I thought that was nice about it is a lot of the events we do are huge. And this one's a little bit smaller, smaller town. But you could park, you could walk in, it was easy to get around, there wasn't, you know, those type of limitations, so that was kind of fun too, but it was big enough that it was worth doing. Mm -hmm. And some of the artwork was really cool, t-shirts, that different type of things with those. I, I mean, you know, you just saw a lot of this uh, very artistic culture, but with a focus of the serious side of all this and try to dive into the science mm -hmm. and see what's going on and see if what people have seen is what they think it is or you know, what's actually going on? This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. This week, if we go back to Earth and go to Mountain View, California, we will find at the Shoreline Amphitheater that Google has just wrapped up I.O. 2022. Now, this is a major trade show. This is similar to what Apple does for their products in the fall, where they announce their software updates, upcoming hardware, on and on, and talk about what's going to be new for the next year. And they had a number of highlights this year. 
that were kind of fun to look at. Android 13, and this is the new version of the Android operating system that many of us use on our phone. It's been in beta for a while now, and it's going to become the new standard. You can install the beta now, and it's available for select devices, Pixel 4, Pixel 5, and some other things, but it will go into general rollout a little bit later. Now, one of the things about builds is they're kind of fun to play with, but I wouldn't recommend doing them on your primary phone because sometimes they don't work. So (laughs) if you want to play with it and have an old phone, might be a good idea to use that to look at it. Speaking of such things, we're also looking at some new Pixel phones. The 6a was shown, and Google now has a Tensor chipset, which they are putting into their products. It's their own in-house scenario. And it'll be interesting to see how this will work. The base price in the U.S. will be $449 when it comes out in July. So if you have a Pixel phone, it might be time to upgrade to the new version. The other one that I th- thought was interesting, now we've heard about this, is the Pixel Watch. So mm-hmm. Google has talked about the idea of doing a smart watch. That's nothing new, and that's been a rumor for a while. However, we finally see one that's actually coming. Really? Cool. They're saying it's going to go on sale in fall of this year. The compatibility will be with Android 8 and uh, further, no iOS compatibility. So if you have an iPhone, it won't work with that. It has a round face made up of recycled steel material. Cool. We'll have Fitbit integration, swappable bands. uh, You know, so it sounds like a very interesting device. And the Pixel 7, along with the Pixel Watch this fall, is going to be something that will be designed to work together as kind of a next generation set of smartphones and equipment. You know, I've been really happy with my Fitbit um, yeah. watch, so that's been really cool. So something new might be really neat. So this is this is cool. one thing that was unexpected, and I don't think a lot of the industry insiders saw this coming, was the Pixel tablet. And this is going to be the first time, from my understanding, hmm. that we're going to see this in a while as something directly that's not produced by a third party. Android tablets are an interesting thing. I've had one for years. I like them. I use them but they've never quite gained the popularity that the iPad has. So, you know, they're out there. They're definitely well-supported, but it'll be interesting to see if we have one core one, if that kind of changes the game a little bit. Google is usually pretty good at the products they make. I know, like we were just talking about, the Pixel phones are usually well-made and work well, so I would not expect any less of their tablet. But it's going to be interesting to see what they end up doing with this. They're saying it will have better compatibility with all other devices in the Pixel ecosystem, mm-hmm. but there wasn't a lot of other information yet. And the other point of competition to Apple is going to be the Pixel Buds Pro. Earphones? Earphones. New series of wireless nice. buds. They are IPX4 rated for water resistance and have another a number of other features, feature noise cancellation, a transparency mode to let some self sound in, and you know that type of thing, what you'd expect on that. They're looking at a price of $199 in the U.S., and also be available in late July. You know, again, these different type of products, it's interesting to see what we're coming up with here, some unique things, but it doesn't end there. Some of the other services, Google announced that Google Translate will be adding 24 more languages. Hmm. And one of the other unique products that I kind of like is Google has debuted a set of AR glasses. Now, Google Glass a few years ago, I liked the product, but it never really took off. Yeah, But this is something that's a little bit different. They look a lot more like a pair of glasses from everything we can tell. And one of the first features that's going to be on it is instant language translation, where you hear somebody in the language is translated into your language, and you can see it in the AI interface on your glasses. 
Did cool. they say where they're going to be made? Uh, no, I didn't see any information on that, and they didn't get into a lot of details. Uh huh. Um, you, you know, getting into that because it seemed like Google Glass's big problem was where it was manufactured. Yeah, yeah, I think that was part of it. Part of it was it also looked like something really weird, and the cost was the other big thing. So hopefully, this will come in a little bit cheaper. Uh, some of the other things, a new mode to Google Maps that allows you to explore cities and places in 3D space simulation. Hmm. They're going to be upgrading that, and Google Maps is a big deal. I'm not the biggest fan of Google Maps, I have to admit. I It gets the job done. I think it has a lot of good applications. For navigation, it's not the same as a navigation system, although it will get you from point A to point B quite well. So, you know, adding some of these other features might help to bump that up a little bit. So that's Google I.O. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. This is the part of the show where you ask questions and we endeavor to give you answers. And today you'll see that sometimes those questions come from a place far, far away. Now, if you want to send your questions, we have an easier way to do it. Call 503-766-6264, one user friendly on Facebook and Twitter, userfriendlyshow.com or all the places that you can go and submit your questions. And what do we have this week? Why are alien spacecraft drawn with eyeballs on them? Yeah, this is uh, definitely a uh, question from far, far away. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't, I don't know that that's always the case. So, what this refers to is what we were just talking about with the UFO festival in McMinnville, mm-hmm. and a lot of the different pictures we saw there depicted in the circular alien spacecraft that you see with a thing on the bottom that sucks everything up, depicted it kind of like an eyeball. Yeah, it did look like an eyeball, and they were always stealing bunny rabbits. So, I'm not sure what the bunny rabbit connection was. Well, I could kind of mm. understand that. Bunny rabbits are, you know, cute and fluffy. So there you are with that. But they, they uh, need pets. Aliens need pets. That's absolutely, it. absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. so maybe there were it is. So we're obviously not giving you a credible answer to that question because we don't no. know. We don't know. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> then our next question is: Can I add Alexa to my car? Yeah, this has actually come in from a number of listeners over the past six months to a year. And what seems to have started this is Buick is including this in their infotainment system to have Lexa as your uh, smart assistant right in your car, which is a great feature. So the question is, can you add it to a vehicle that doesn't have it already installed? And yes, there's actually a very inexpensive way to do it. Amazon has a device called Android Auto, and it's a little thing that you install into really the cigarette lighter or your USB port. There's not wiring or anything that has to be done. You do need Bluetooth capability for it to work. And with that, you have all of the features that you would have on your home smart speakers. I was kind of thinking that uh, we should add a C-3PO, you know, and just put Alexa in there. <laughs> See, I, I kind of, I'm kind of in favor of that idea. And uh, you having the droid in the dashboard would be cool. I know they normally go in the back, but, you know. No, hey, I mean, can... in the passenger seat. She's a passenger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that works for me, too. <laughs> mm, yes. Can I see a saved password in Windows? Yeah, so when you go to a website and you save your username and password, by default, the browser hides the password, but sometimes there's a need to look it up. I ran into this myself recently when I got a notification that 35 of my passwords had been exposed in a breach from some company that 
lost their information in the last month. So I went through to change them all, but it was necessary to see some of them. So all you do is right click in the password field and you'll get a prompt that says password manager. Click on yeah. that. It's going to load another screen, which is a list of all of your safe passwords on Chrome. This just comes up. Edge works in a similar fashion. You can search for the website that you're looking for if you have a lot of them or just scroll down. And then when you click on the password, there's an option to view. It'll want you to enter your PIN code from you use when you log into Windows to verify your you, and then it'll show you the password. <laughs> so definitely possible to do and kind of a neat little hack there, but it, it does work and it works well. Hey, maybe later on I can get you to tell me what company that was so I can double check my stuff. I'd be happy <laughs> to do that. <laughs> Is anyone else having problems with their Alienware desktop? I am. Hmm. So, uh, what you, the, what's what's the problem that you're having? And I want to point out before I answer it, I did not ask this question, but when I saw it, I found out I was not alone in this. So apparently, from what I have been able to find out, and I'm still confirming all of these different things, although it came from a uh, Dell technician that I has to remain anonymous because he wouldn't have been allowed to talk about it otherwise. But apparently. This is the Alienware R11, which is a two-generation old desktop computer tower. I have one. I've really quite liked it, but I've started having problems with it, and it seems like I'm not alone. If you use these the way that they're originally constructed, they work just fine. But if you do something like, oh, upgrade your memory or add a hard drive or anything like that, it doesn't work anymore. And it seems to be a fundamental problem with the unit. So when mine went down the first time, I have a Dell on-site warranty, and they're always very good about servicing. They sent someone out within a day, and they came and looked at it. And the technician, who was obviously very good at what he does, he knew he knew his thing. But it took him about two hours of messing around with it to even get it to turn back on. Wow. And what he finally did was pull out all of the additional memory and put back in the original memory stick, and then he was able to get it to boot up. And then he had to replace the motherboard to get it to work properly again with the additional memory. And it worked for about a month, and then it quit again on me. So in checking into this a little bit more, I found out this, again, I am not alone. person out there asked this question, had the same situation. And the BIOS update seems to disable the upgrades. So what happened and what caused it to crash is a BIOS update's come out that's pretty important to install, uh, dealing with moving code to U.S.-based only origins. So, you know, we want to do that. But unfortunately, that seemed to disable the R11 again. So right now, I'm waiting. For, I, I've done it myself where I put it back to its original memory. It started working again. So I'm waiting for the Dell technician to get back out here. I believe that's going to happen tomorrow. And see, I bet you they're going to have to change the motherboard again. And if the problem is that I can't update my BIOS, that's that's bad. Yeah, that is so bad. Yeah. I'll, see, I'll let everybody know what the resolution to this is since I'm having to personally deal with it. But if you are having problems like this, you're not alone. Alienware is normally one of the best kind of computers you can get. I've had them. I, I really enjoy them. I know that our producer and editor had one that was, I, I think, 15 years old or something uh -huh. before he retired it. Yeah. So they, they do their job and they do their job well. But when you have a glitch, you have a glitch. Hmm. Yeah, that's no fun. All right. This one's good. What is the largest TV I can buy? So for uh, home Should use, we ask Weird Al? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we're not quite there yet, but uh, we are at 292 inches. Oh and God. this is a product that Samsung makes called the TV Wall. It can be configured from 128 to 292 inches. Now, I have a townhouse with an open concept area downstairs, and I figured to fit this television into my house, it would be very simple. I would need to buy the townhouse next door, 
knock out the adjoining wall, remove the garage, and then I would be able to mount the TV on the wall and still be back far enough to probably see it. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> so at the end of the That's day, crazy. these are also a little bit more difficult to maintain than just the TV you would go buy at Best Buy or whatever. They have to have a maintenance cycle. Uh, they are very expensive to buy in the first place, but you have things like parts of the screen might go out and that type of thing. So there's a maintenance cycle almost like you'd have on your car where you subscribe and a technician comes out twice a year to maintain the system and keep it running. But I guess if you can afford the television, you can afford that. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Have you ever had any off-world experience? Go ahead and send us your questions and comments about that and let us know if you've ever experienced this. I'd love to talk to some people and try to get a group together and just uh, see what our listeners have been involved with with this. And we will take everything very seriously. I actually want to kind of do this as a scientific experiment. So send us your information. How about even, uh, um, do you believe in the potential for off-world life? and? Do you think it's a, uh, are you positive about it? Some people were frightened, you know, like after the War of the Worlds um, radio show. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and there I, are but some... I, th I think people have changed since then. And I, you know, I do have a feeling that if you have a civilization that's able to have the technology to get here and that they wanted us gone, we'd be gone, you know. So uh, <laughs> yeah. that, that's kind of my feeling, but, uh, but that's the case. So, you know, looking at the news this week, Keeping track of your text, specifically your phones, is a good idea. And a lot of parents will let their kids play with their phones. And one actually went online and did some shopping. A two-year-old ordered 31 cheeseburgers on DoorDash on her mom's phone. <laughs> well, you know, that's uh, kind of weird, but I wonder, hey. I wonder why 31. Now, I, I don't know why 31. Door, DoorDash is a service like Grubhub or anything where you can order food from most restaurants and have it delivered. And they had the app set up and everything ready to go. And and, and the little kid decided that uh, she wanted a cheeseburger. Well, 31 cheeseburgers. <laughs> mm. That's funny. So that, that would be a little bit of a surprise when they appear, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, well, upcoming later this year, we're going to have the Sherwood Cruise in in June. That's going to be a fun show, car show. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm going to show some of mine off. And then I don't know what's going on in July yet, but I know in August we've got the Emerald City Comic Con and we've got the Silicon, which is the old Silicon Valley Comic Con in San Jose. So we're looking forward to both of those. Those are going to be two weekends back and back, so that'll be kind of a busy part of the year. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, but um, it looks like things are getting back to normal. And hopefully we can keep it this way. I know they're talking that some of the numbers are with COVID are coming back up a little bit. So stay safe. You know, I, I don't think we're going to see mask mandates, at least not a lot of them. There might be a few unless things get real bad and they get around the vaccines and stuff. So you never quite know where this goes. But right now it looks like we are going to be able to continue with our events and, and start to get a little bit of normalcy back under things. And I know a lot of people are looking forward to that. A lot of people just want to get out, myself included, mm -hmm. which is why doing the UFO festival was so much fun. I, I just, uh, I'm just glad to be back. Yeah, it was really neat. Yeah. So it that was nice to see people. It was nice <laughs> to see people and it was nice to be able to interact. So that being said, once again, send us your requests. We are very open to them. 503-766-6264. We are working on 
getting a new website ready to launch. And one of the new features on that is going to be that we can have a live audience while we record. That's going to be interesting. Signups for that will be available soon. And until then, this is User-Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2022. User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host and not necessarily those of the User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at UserFriendlyNation.com, TheAnswerPortland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.